Welcome to Jedi Master's Degree. Today we're going to cover Return of the Jedi Act 3 as well as talk about its reception. But first, up top, I want to tell you we got an email address. It's JediMastersDegree at gmail.com. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, and what you'd like to see for Season 2. Season 1 is in the books, but we're always looking forward. Without delay, let's just start in with the commentary here. So you might recall where we left off. Luke had just surrendered himself to Vader. So now we see the Death Star's exterior and we see Luke and Darth Vader coming into the throne room. They take a long walk up the stairs to approach him. The Emperor is watching out of his crazy window and he turns around and he says, Welcome young Skywalker, I've been expecting you. Of course, using those visions that Luke has learned to bat aside. He says you no longer need those and he has the manacles undone with the Force. He says guards leave us and the guards turn to the sides and walk away and we get our first close-up look at Ian McDermott and all that makeup for the Emperor and he says I've been looking forward to completing your training he says in time you'll call me master and Luke tells him you're gravely mistaken you won't convert me as you did my father and he says oh no my young Jedi you will find that it is you who are mistaken for a great many things I love the Emperor's lines because they're just so quotable Darth Vader hands him his lightsaber and he says ah yes a Jedi's weapon much like your father's by now you know your father can never be turned from the dark side and so it will be with you and Luke tells him you're wrong soon you'll be dead and you with me and the Emperor just laughs at him. It looks like he's missing a tooth or two. And he says, perhaps you refer to the imminent attack of your rebel fleet. And Luke says, uh, yes. <laughs> he says, I will assure you we're quite safe from your friends from here. He just gives this annoyed look as he turns around. And Luke calls out and says, your overconfidence is your weakness. And the Emperor says, your faith in your friend is yours. And so I just want to point out right here, the two people who are trying to be the big voices for Luke are immediately at odds, right? You had Yoda who was saying, have faith in your friends. And the Emperor is telling him, your faith in your friends, that's your weakness. And he's relying on all these visions, right? Like it is binary. He's doing the exact opposite of what Yoda is doing. Darth Vader tells him it's pointless to resist my son. And the Emperor says everything that's transpired is done so according to my design. Your friends are up there on the sanctuary moon and are walking into a trap, as is your rebel fleet. It is I who allowed the Alliance to know the location of the shield generator. It is quite safe from your pitiful little band. An entire legion of my best troops awaits them. And oh, I'm afraid the shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. And he's just giving him this cocky look. And then we cut over to Han blowing open a door and sees members of the empire everywhere they go to lay out some bombs c-3po saying oh my they'll be captured because he's noticing a bunch of people from the empire are running into the back door so the ewok goes running in and all the stormtroopers go rushing in and they say freeze rebel scum they take away chewie's bowcaster which we know he really hates that and then we quickly cut over to the millennium falcon coming out of hyperspeed right in front of the moon the red squadron gray squadron and green squadron of x-wings are all getting into position admiral akbar says may the force be with us and then lando realizes they're jamming the signal and how could they do that unless they realize that we're coming so lando calrissian's trying to get them to pull away from the death star and then they tell admiral akbar that their ship's coming in from their flank and then admiral akbar says the famous line what's a trap so then we cut back to Leia and everybody coming out and they just see stormtroopers everywhere and they have the little chicken walkers going around. And those chicken walkers are called all-terrain scout transports or the ATST. 
very cool toy. Never had it. Didn't have enough money to have it, but they were pretty cool. And this is probably a good opportunity to not only mention that those ATSTs were done with stop motion, pretty fun looking stop motion, but to also mention that we are watching the original cuts of these movies. We are not talking about the special edition. We'll be talking about the special edition in season three. If you want to get a copy of the old ones, either find yourself an old VCR tape. Everything on DVD is special edition. Or you can look online and they have cuts where they actually restore it in HD into the old copies. I think it's called like Hermione Special Edition or something like that. Uh, the legality of it is questionable. The idea is that you already own the movie and then you download it. So download it at your own risk, but man, they look great. So C-3PO is trying to get their attention. He says, hey, over there, look at me. And then as Han and Leia have their hands up, a bunch of stormtroopers are running out to go get him and they tell him to freeze. And C-3PO is like, we surrender. And then all of a sudden, all these Ewoks come running out and ambush the stormtroopers. There's a cry through a horn from one of the Ewoks in the trees. And then a whole bunch of them suddenly pop up with bows and arrows and start firing at the stormtroopers. And then the rebels that were taken prisoners start fighting back. And you see Chewbacca nail one. You see Leia take one down. You see speeder bikes going off. And you see a couple of stormtroopers run up a ridge and they suddenly get knocked down by some Ewoks on vines. You see an ATST is taking some shots at some Ewoks. And then an Ewok comes flying through with a hand glider. It looks like drops some big rocks onto some stormtroopers and an ATST. And then his wing gets hit by a blaster. An ATST comes up as if it's about to crunch him. And the Ewoks get a rope on one of the legs of the ATSTs to try and slow it down. And it drags the Ewoks. And then another one has a giant slingshot. And they're hitting the stormtroopers with them and then one of them hits himself with it so yeah that's gonna happen <laughs> it's warning for the kids it's probably gonna happen more often than you actually hit a target you want to hit so they try and open up the base again and then it turns out that their code doesn't work r2d2 rushes up because he realizes that they need him and then we see catapults going off and they're hitting the atsts with big rocks and then we see the star battle again, and there's explosions everywhere. Lando's checking how Wedge is doing. Of course, Wedge is doing okay. <laughs> and then Lando's noticing that only the TIE fighters are attacking him, and he's wondering what the Star Destroyers are for. We see somebody on the Destroyer saying that they're held into position. It's the Emperor's order, and he has something special planned for him. And he says that we only need to stop them from escaping. And Luke is watching this out the window. And the Emperor says, as you can see, my young apprentice, your friends have failed. Now witness the firepower of this fully armed operational battle station. And then he says, fire at will, Commander. And still just sitting there lounging out in his armchair by the Death Star window with the lightsaber next to him. And then all of a sudden, the Death Star fires and blows up this giant rebel ship. And they said, that blast came from the Death Star. And so Admiral Akbar is telling them to prepare to retreat. And Lando Calrissian's telling them to give them time to take the shield down. We cut back to the Battle of Endor. We see stormtroopers getting beat up by Ewoks. And man, that armor for the stormtroopers doesn't protect anything, let me tell you what. Anyway, we see C-3PO running by with R2-D2. And C-3PO's drawing fire even though he doesn't want to. And then C-3PO goes to hack into the door. He gets shot by a stormtrooper. Han returns fire on the stormtrooper. R2-D2 starts... Starts a short circuit and does this 
Charles thing. So Han's trying to hotwire it and C-3PO is saying, why did you have to be so brave? We see a couple of Ewoks trying to escape on foot. One of them goes down with a bomb and the other one's looking at it and crying over him. And I, I like that too. Like you get the little bit of horrors of war, you know, and they do it with teddy bears, but they're right there. It's kind of, it's one of those things that really strikes you when you're a kid watching. I can say as having been a kid when I saw this movie the first time, I realized adults get upset with having little teddy bears everywhere, but it certainly leaves a mark on you when you're a kid. Anyway, Sir Alma Akbar is saying at close range, we won't last long against the Star Destroyers. And Lando's saying we'll last longer than against a Death Star. And he says we might just take a few of them with us. And then we see one of the X-Wings blow. See a bunch of TIE fighters taking out another X-Wing pilot. And then Luke's watching this all and the Emperor's telling him your fleet is lost and your friends on the Endor moon will not survive. There is no escape, my young apprentice. And of course, he's just trying to build the dread into Luke and get the anger up. He's saying the Alliance will die, as will your friends. And Luke looks at the lightsaber again and the Emperor gives him a good... Tells him I can feel your anger. He says, I am defenseless. Take your weapon and strike me down with all your hatred. Then your journey to the dark side will be complete. And Luke clearly looks really upset and he's trying to breathe to relax. And then he flips around and grabs his lightsaber with the force and goes to hit the Emperor. And Darth Vader puts up his lightsaber and stops him in that moment. We cut back down to Endor. We see the ATST firing on the Ewoks again. Chewbacca and some Ewoks run up behind the ATST, and then we see them swing by on a vine. And the pilots of the ATST see some of the Ewoks in front of it, and so they open up the hatch to deal with it, and that's when Chewbacca snags them out and throws them onto the ground. Then the other two Ewoks jump in and beat up the other one, and they start piloting the ATST, even though they have no idea what they're doing. Chewie can't fit into the hatch. And then he manages to wiggle around until he does fit in. We see one of the ATSTs blow up. And then we cut back to Chewie with his ATST and they're opening fire on the stormtroopers and blowing them up all over. We see an Ewok do a lasso with the stormtrooper, which is attached to the end of a tree. And so he swings around and blows up. Then we see him set a trip wire for another speed bike that hits it and blows up. Ewoks cut some ropes and that causes these giant logs to swing out and hit both sides of an ATST and blow it up. And then they drop a bunch of logs down a hillside as an ATST goes to walk by and it trips and falls over and blows up. Han crosses some wires and manages to open the door and then the other side of the bomb blast door closes and then Leia takes a shot in the shoulder. He's really concerned about him and the stormtroopers come up right behind him. It looks like they're doomed and then Leia pulls out a blaster subtly and Han goes, I love you. And she goes, I know. He moves out of the way and she blows away the stormtroopers. ATST come up and everybody raises their arms and then we see Chewie pop out of the hatch. Han's got an idea, and then we see Luke doing a lightsaber battle with Darth Vader. They're going back and forth, and you can tell Luke is pissed the way he's just swinging his lightsaber so hard. And he kicks Darth Vader down the stairs, and Darth Vader kind of floats over the stairs, but he falls down. The Emperor says, good, let the hate flow through you. And that's his mistake. He's being so overconfident and just telling Luke what he's trying to get him to do. Luke realizes he's being gamed in this moment. Once again, it's that overconfidence of the Emperor, and so Luke extinguishes his lightsaber, and then Darth Vader comes walking up saying, Obi-Wan taught you well. By the way, the teaching styles of the Emperor in this movie versus the prequels, he's actually pretty smart about it in the prequels. He's very subtly trying to 
befriend Anakin and make him see the dark side a little bit at a time. But this one, he's just so brazen that it just, there's no way it could work. So Luke tells Darth Vader, I will not fight you, father. Luke backs up looking scared. Darth Vader says, you are unwise to lower your defenses. And he goes to strike Luke down and he brings his lightsaber back up and blocks it. They trade a couple of blows back and forth, and then Luke leaps backwards and then leaps really high up backwards. He's telling Darth Vader, I feel the conflict in you. Darth Vader's saying there is no conflict. And now Luke is trying to tempt Vader. It's amazing. You got this triangle of temptation going on. Darth Vader's telling him you underestimate the power of the dark side. If you will not fight, then you will meet your destiny. And he hurls up his lightsaber and hits the catwalk so that Luke will fall down. The Emperor starts laughing, and he gives us good, good. And then we see the Gold Leader Squadron is making some success and nailing some TIE Fighters. Lando's saying, come on, Han, don't let me down. Han's disguised as an Imperial, and he's saying that we got the Rebels on the run, and so they send out three squadrons to go chase him down, and... Right when they do that, Han pulls a blaster on them and a bunch of Ewoks come up and a bunch of rebels all pull their guns. And then Han kind of shrugs his shoulder and then you see him put some charges in place. Then we cut back to the throne room and we see Darth Vader is hunting out Luke, looking around with his lightsaber for light. He's saying, you cannot hide forever, Luke. And Luke says, I will not fight you. Then he says, give yourself over to the dark side. It's the only way to save your friends. And Luke looks really scared. And then Darth Vader says, yes, your thoughts betray you. Your feelings for them are strong, especially for great line reading by James Earl Jones when he just says, sister, so you have a twin sister. And then he says, your feelings are now betrayed for her too. Obi-Wan was wise to hide her from me. Now his failure is complete. Darth Vader always about completing things. (laughs) He says, if you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. And that's when Luke loses it, says never, comes out, he's fighting really hard, he's just taking wild swings, it's very reminiscent of the way Darth Vader was fighting in Empire Strikes Back, right, when he takes off Luke's hand. So they're going back and forth, sparks flying everywhere as Luke's hitting everything, trying to connect, and Darth Vader winds up down against the railing and he can't do it anymore and Luke's hitting 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 and then finally knocks his lightsaber to the side and cuts off his hand and it's the same hand that Luke's missing but by the way that hand robotic hand they had that in common and then he did the same thing that Vader did and the emperor walks up and says your hate has made you powerful now fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side and this is once again overconfidence he says that and Luke looks at his hand he's thinking about how it's his father how he's in the same position his father was he's seeing vader's severed robotic hand and he turns off his lightsaber and he says never and he throws it to the side he says i'll never turn to the dark side and then he says you failed your highness i am a jedi like my father before me and this is a way to kind of bone up vader too and be like hey man come on we're on the same side here and so the emperor says so be it jedi and then we see han and all the rebels run away from the shield generator and it blows up you see the satellite blow up and a giant explosion in the forest then Admiral Akbar is telling him the shield is down, commence with the attack. So red and gold group fighters go and follow Lando. 
And then we see the Emperor telling Luke, if you'll not be turned, then you'll be destroyed. And he starts having lightning bolts fly out of his hand. And he tells him, young fool, only now at the end do you understand. He says, your feeble skills are no match for the power of the dark side. Vader's just watching this and knowing that Luke would not kill him. And Vader's getting dangerously close to the Emperor and he says, you've paid for your lack of vision. And you can see the conflict with Vader as he's watching the lightning hitting Luke. And then he just says, Father, please, and starts crying out to him. Dude, I don't care how much on the dark side you are. You can't watch that. You just can't. And Luke screams, help me, unable to do anything but curl up in that ball. The Emperor says, and now, young Skywalker, you will die. And we see smoke coming up from Luke. And the Emperor does it again. It hits him with lightning and just seems to really enjoy it. We get an extreme close-up on Vader, and you can tell it's really getting to him. And he turns and looks at the Emperor. He sees how much the Emperor is loving killing Luke. And then he looks back at Luke again and at the Emperor again. And then he suddenly grabs Palpatine as the lightning's just flying out of his hands. And he throws him down a shaft. We see the Emperor fall down and then a giant cloud, kind of an explosion... I'm betting that the Emperor is probably wishing that he had a railing or something up there because it just seems unsafe to have a giant hole. He probably was on his way down wishing that he hadn't fired Space Osha. But Luke sees that Vader's breathing is really messed up and so he kind of cradles him. And then we cut back to the X-Wings and they're flying into the hole of it to try and launch the shot. We see a TIE fighter line up an X-Wing and destroy him. Akbar is saying they got to give fighters more time so they concentrate their fire onto a superstar destroyer. And then we see a ship fly right into the deck. And then the superstar destroyer starts to fall down, even though it's in space. But <laughs> falls down onto the surface of the Death Star and explodes. And then we see Luke trying to haul his father off. And he's dragging him across the floor as all the Imperials are running out. And Vader says, Luke, help me take this mask off. And he said, but you'll die. And he says, nothing can stop that now. And he says, just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. And so Luke takes off the top part of the helmet and then makes kind of a shh noise and then he takes off the front part and you see this withered old guy just looking so weird and white poor david krauss <laughs> i actually feel really bad for him would have been his one chance and then they were like nah we're gonna put somebody more famous in the costume and then clearly this old guy says now go my son leave me and luke says no you're coming with me i'll not leave you here i've got to save you and he says you already have luke you already have. And he says, tell your sister you were right about me. Tell your sister you were right. And then Luke says, father, I won't leave you. And he falls backwards and clearly is dying. So, you know, you might want to leave him, but he's not going to. We see Wedge and the Falcon get into position to destroy the Death Star. They make their shot. They come swinging out. And then we see Luke get into that Imperial shuttle that he was in before and he flies out. And then the chain reaction starts happening around the Falcon. We see a TIE fighter get destroyed. The Falcon's going just fast enough to escape it. Lando yells, Yeehaw! And the alien kind of does his alien version of Yeehaw. And then we see the Death Star explode again. And you see the explosion up in the sky on Endor and all the Ewoks are celebrating. We see the Rebels happy and the droids. R2-D2 is obviously okay. And Han says, I'm sure Luke wasn't on that thing when it blew. And Leia says, he wasn't. I can feel it. Han gives her a really weird look. And then he says, you love him. And then Leia says, yes. And then he says, all right, I understand. Fine. 
When he comes back, I won't get in the way. And she says, it's not like that at all. He's my brother. And then you see the look of Han's face of amazement of like, I'm going out with the crazy person. You totally made out with him right in front of me. Oh man, it was so hot. Enough, producer Fett. Enough. You brought it up. Yeah, I know. Get out of here. I just like to rub it in. So the Ewoks are celebrating and then we cut to seeing Luke with a torch and he's burning his father's body in a pyre. By the way, I do this every year on Christmas. People often do the fireplace on their TV. I always do Vader's body being burned on the TV and it's tasteless and I love doing it every year. My family rolls their eyes every single year. It's great. Just look it up on YouTube. It's amazing. And then they kind of pan up and you see fireworks going and then we see the Ewoks are playing drums with the severed heads of stormtroopers i mean it's probably empty helmets but i like to imagine it's severed heads we see lando embracing Chewie. we see luke embracing leia while han looks on and then luke embraces han we see r2d2 and wicket dancing and c3po's not complaining for a change the ewoks are excited we see wedge shaking hands with somebody and then luke looks off in the distance and he sees yoda and obi-wan and then and he sees the form of Anakin standing next to him. And, and then Leia's kind of looking at him like, hey, what you looking at? Come back to the party. And that is the end of Return of the Jedi as well as the original trilogy. We do have a couple more episodes of the season. We do. So just bear with me. Trust me, it'll be worth it. We got Rebel Mission to Ord Mandel. We get to find out what the deal was with Han panicking at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. We still got the Lando Calrissian adventures. That's like three novels about Lando. And we're going to talk about the original Marvel comics in addition to having a couple of conversations with some friends because everybody likes to talk about Star Wars. So how was Return of the Jedi received? Jedi was released in theaters on March 25th, 1983. It was originally supposed to be released on Friday the 27th, but it was bumped back to Wednesday because it was six years to the day of the release of A New Hope. This also started a trend that continues today with some tentpole movies opening on a Wednesday to bump up the opening box office numbers, usually during the summertime. It grossed $309.3 million domestic and $475 million worldwide. It was number one for its first three weeks in theaters. Then it lost to Superman 3 in the fourth week. And then people realized what a steaming pile Superman 3 was. Seriously, it's probably the worst of all of them. I know people say Part 4. Part 3 is probably worse. Superman's not even the main character in Part 3. Ugh, I could go on. So it returned to the number one slot for the next three weeks after that. It was the highest grossing film of the year. The movie is advertised on all the posters as Star Wars Return of the Jedi. It did not have Episode 6 anywhere in the title at the time. The general consensus of critics seemed to feel that it was an entertaining movie, but a step down from Empire Strikes Back. Pauline Kael, who we'll visit once again, said for the New York Times, A picture with as many special effects as Jedi could cost a major fortune, and to make sure that its tricks are not just approximations of what could be hoped for double that cost. One answer might be to plan films with fewer tricks, better scripts, and directors who love to see the sparks that actors can give off. Lucas's answer is to pile on the effects and with the rumbling noise of things blowing up in Dolby, you're physically under bombardment. There's no blood in the killings in Jedi, but is killing without blood really preferable? The picture is indecently effectless. It ends with the triumph of the good guys and the grand celebration of a bloodless nuclear explosion with no worry, no aftermath, no fallout. 
Roger Ebert, writing for the Chicago Sun-Times, said that the movie has, of course, more of the amazing battles in outer space. The intergalactic video games that have been a trademark since Star Wars and Jedi find an interesting variation on the chase sequence in Star Wars where the space cruisers hurtle through the narrow canyons on the surface of the Death Star. This time there's a breakneck chase through a forest aboard airborne motorcycles. After several of the bad guys have run into trees and get creamed, you pause to ask yourself, wouldn't have been simpler to fly above the treetops? But never mind. It wouldn't have been as much fun that way. And Return of the Jedi is fun. Magnificent fun. The movie is a complete entertainment, a feast for the eyes, and a delight for the fancy. It's a little amazing how Lucas and associates keep topping themselves. And he gave it four stars. Now, I'm going to play for you this entire segment from Nightline. It's about seven minutes long, but I think it's really worth listening to. This was a debate they were having in 83 about Star Wars Legacy and the effect it had on audiences. And it sounds very familiar to a lot of the debate that's happening today. This is a critic named John Simmon who wrote for New York Magazine, and he's debating Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, who had the most famous critic show of all time at the movies. is an amazing show. That's why I always go to Ebert. Like, I love Ebert. Mr. Simon, you described The Empire Strikes Back, the second in this trilogy, as malodorous awful, and I understand you're also well able to keep your enthusiasm in check for the third in the trilogy. Why so unkind? I think... Um the uh, raves for the early Star Wars have been so violent and so uh, extravagant that I feel one cannot afford to mince one's words if one dislikes these things. You one certainly has... did not do that, uh, but, but why do you feel they are so bad? I feel they're so bad because they're completely dehumanizing. I th- obviously, let's face it, they are for children or for childish adults. They're not for adult mentalities, uh, which unfortunately uh, <clears throat> means that they're not for a lot of my fellow critics who also lack adult mentalities. But anyway, they are for children, and they're brutalizing children. They're stultifying children. They're making children uh, dumber than they need to be. Uh, a great work for children like Huck Finn, for example, tells a child something about reality, about people, about life, about growing up. These films try to keep children stupid children forever. And that, I think, is wrong. Gene Siskel, Roger Ebert, if you would like to remove the dagger from between your ribs (laughs) and strike back, have at it. I totally disagree with Mr. Simon. I don't know uh, what he did as a child, but I spent a lot of my Saturday matinees watching science fiction movies and serials and having a great time of being stimulated and having my imagination stimulated and having uh, all sorts of visions take place in my mind that helped me to become an adult and to still stay young at heart. And I would say not that I'm childlike, but that he is old at heart. Yeah, what I, uh, I think that Mr. Simon ought to do what I did over the weekend. I went to a regular movie theater in a shopping center in Michigan City, Indiana, and I sat amid all the kids. There was one tall head and a lot of small heads. Were they dumber than they needed to be? No, they weren't dumber, to quote that interesting phrase. (laughs) Uh, They uh, were ecstatic. They were enjoying it, and they were rooting. They were asking each other who's who. They were getting all involved. They were rooting for the right guys and booing the bad guys. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I I feel badly, honestly, I feel Mm -hmm. badly that this uh, other critic, John Simon didn't have a good time at these pictures. That's too bad for him. All right. While it would probably be more fun to have you sling mud at one another, all three of you, let's talk about the let's talk about the movie. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. is it a great film? I mean, it's it's clearly great technology and it does uh, wonderful things with special effects. But in terms of the normal standards by which we judge movies, is this a great film? John Simon, clearly you say no. But why? Well, first of all, you know, special effects are like the tail of the dog, which should not wag the whole animal. Um, when you have a film 
room that's 90% special effect, and that's a kindly estimate, 90% uh, special effect, uh, you might just as well be watching a um, animated cartoon. Because finally, all that, all those special effects begin to look totally unreal. Um, there is, there is, you're looking for something that looks like flesh and blood there. You have three lousy actors in the main roles who don't contribute much flesh and blood. You have ghastly dialogue, terrible plotting, miserable characterization, which also do not contribute flesh and blood. So what you're left with is something that Walt Disney could have done just as well with, with a drawing board and pencils and colors. All right, Roger Ebert, uh, beyond the undeniable fact that it's, that it's clearly perceived as entertainment by a great many people, how would you argue that it's a great movie? These are the sorts of movies that Disney people should be making and the kinds of movies that Disney made uh, 20, 30 years ago. I think all movies are special effects. Movies are not real. They're two-dimensional. A film goes through the camera, the projector throws the light on the screen, and that makes a special effect. It's a dream. It's an imagination. As to whether this film is good or not, it excited me. It made me laugh. It made me, it made me thrilled. And uh, that's, what, that's what a movie like this is for. I also enjoy films by Ingmar Bergman and people like that. I share that taste with Mr. Simon. But I try, I think, in my own movie-going taste to be broad enough to also understand why a bunch of people might want to get together and see a Star Wars movie and enjoy it. Gene Siskel, is it, is it not possible to separate these two and to say, yes, there's such a thing as great entertainment, but it's not a great movie? Let's not pretend it is. Well, you can say what its aspirations are. I don't think that a film should be rewarded for uh, aiming low and hitting that mark, which sometimes in film criticism you do get that. The sort of junk movie is can't be fun. I don't think this is can't be fun. I think this is well-made fun. Uh, this is very good of its kind, and I want to cite another film that's out now that shows you what this kind of film can be like if it's junk, and that's Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, shot in 3D. That movie is 3D and it's supposed to be kind of special. Uh, the Jedi film is in 2D, and it's a lot more exciting. Uh, just seeing those pictures back to back as I did over the last week, one clearly is better of its kind. I think Jedi is very good of its kind. What do kids have these days for entertainment? They have the Black Stallion picture, which I know uh, we both liked. I don't know if Mr. Simon did. And you have the Star Wars films, and that's about it. Not much more. This is very good of its kind. Mr. Simon, have you ever sunk as low as Space Hunter? No, I'm happy to say I haven't. Um, I think there are wonderful things that you could take kids to. There's a little film called Tender Mercies, which is not a children's movie, but in which a child is the main one of the main characters and that is the sort of thing that I would take my children if I had them where they can see something about human beings about life in this thing you see one set of robots some of them ostensibly flesh and blood but actually just as mechanical as the real robots attacking another set of robots it zaps you it 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 races past you projectiles are hurtling this way and that there's nothing to get involved with sure there is a very primitive sense in which the empire is bad in a very primitive sense in which the others are good but it is all such a chaos such a jumble such a confusion such a mechanical technological whirly gig that you don't have any chance to associate yourself with anyone to identify yourself with anyone there are no people there with whom you can sympathize that just isn't my experience in seeing it again with a whole bunch of kids they were able to sort out who was who very easily they had no trouble with this picture understanding what was going on I got to ask Mr. Simon a question here's sort of a test question Question. Wasn't your heart warmed even a little bit by Yoda? Well, yes, I mean a little. Uh, <laughs> but let's say if I saw him in a window of F.A.O. Schwartz and I looked at him for three seconds and said, that's a kind of cute little figurine, I would have had enough of Yoda. Listen, three seconds of acceptance on your part, Mr. Simon, is all that we can hope for and all that we have time for. I'm afraid at this point I thank you and Gene Siskel and also Roger Ebert for joining us. All right. So also there's, of course, a lot of fallout involving the Ewoks and merchandising. 
But considering I've got a Phantom Menace episode coming up in Season 3, we'll save the merchandising rant for that. And the Ewoks, well, we're going to have plenty of Ewok talk next season, so we'll save that for later. The original trilogy is at a close, but stay with us. we got more episodes this season. May the Force be with you. We have so many shows on the Not Safer Network. Download the entire first season of the show, Not Afraid of the Star Wars fan base, but maybe it should be? Jedi Master's Degree. Two movies enter and only one movie leaves. Listen to Box Office Battle. Learn the history of television one show at a time with the podcast In Syndication. Music, anime, pop culture, movies, TV show, and the random babbling of two dudes who need to find something better to do. Check out A Feast of Geeks. The podcast that's perfectly described with its title, Movies with Wrestlers. And download the entire first season of the radio drama about a serial killer ripped from the pages of a hundred-year-old cookbook, A Thousand Ways to Please a Husband.